Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Please help me welcome Orange Park, St. John's, all of our locations, those watching online today. We know we've been having some bad weather around the North Florida area, so uh, maybe some of you stayed at home uh, today, but we're so glad that you're joining us, and uh, we apologize for uh, just things are slower with this kind of weather. Had to start service a couple of minutes late, some traffic things and stuff like that, but we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, We're in our I Love My Church series, and we're kind of concluding that series today and tomorrow. So before we get into the last a couple of messages of this series. I do want to remind everyone, Pastor John was talking about next weekend water baptism. Listen, we only do these three times a year. So it's so, so important. If you haven't been water baptized, you need to get water baptized. And we get the question all the time, you know, hey, I was water baptized a long time ago, but then I kind of fell away from God. Can I get water baptized again? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great. It's kind of like renewing your, your marriage vows. And uh, you can think of water baptism that way, just like, uh, you know, when, when we get married, you know, you put a ring on, and this outward symbol is a representation of the inner covenant that you made with that person. Well, it's the same thing with water baptism. Water baptism is like putting your wedding ring on with Jesus. It's the outward symbol of the inner uh, covenant that you have with God. It's so, so important. And come on, I'm so glad that we didn't have it this weekend. We almost had it this weekend, and it would not have been good. But we're going to have family portraits. It's a big party. We have a normal service. It's just shorter. So we have worship and, and a message. I'm, 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 I can't wait to, to, to preach on what I'm preaching on next weekend. And I'm doing something really special and unique that I've not done on a Sunday before. I'll be doing that. Uh, next weekend. And so, man, it's just going to be a great, great time. We hope that you are here for that. And then also want to remind everyone, don't forget that Sunday night, I'm speaking a different message now than I speak on Sunday morning. So today uh, we are, I'm going to preach out of John chapter four tonight at our five o'clock service. I'm going to preach out of uh, second Kings, second Kings chapter four. It's going to be really, really good. But if you have your Bibles, your iPhones, whatever, get them out. Go to John chapter 4. We are in the I Love My Church series. And the context for this series is what Jesus said out of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, uh, on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say my church. He doesn't say a church, this church, or that church. He says my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in this series, we've been learning how valuable and how beautiful the local church is and how the church is what Jesus is building. He's not building anything else. And that if you will take ownership like Jesus did and say, man, this is my church, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against you in your life. It's so, so important. And uh, today, oh my gosh, this is just one of my favorite stories in the Bible that we're going to look at here. John chapter 4. I'm going to read... Verses 1 through 30. So y'all ready? We're going to do a little Bible reading. Are you ready? We're going to read. We, we love reading our Bibles here at Celebration. And so I want to read through this, and then I'm going to unpack it. And I really think you're going to be encouraged today. So let's uh, begin reading here. John chapter 4, this uh, verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, 
though Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his disciples. Let me just stop right there. Okay, so listen, right here, water baptism. Jesus and his disciples were doing it. Now, what this was saying is that Jesus himself wasn't personally dunking people one-on-one. Man, wouldn't that have been awesome to be actually baptized by Jesus? And I guarantee you the reason why is because the line, everyone would have lined up for Jesus to baptize them, and no one would have lined up for the disciples, and they wouldn't have been able to baptize everybody. Plus, I think Jesus liked to walk around and see all the different people getting baptized. That's what I'm going to be doing next week by the way, but I'm not Jesus, but you know. Okay, so, look, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. I love this. He needed. Everybody say he needed. In other words, there was a mission that God the Father had for him here. Verse 3, it says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied, from his journey set thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour, so this is 12 noon, and this well is like, it's out in like a desert, it's a very arid land, I mean like Jesus, look, he's in the flesh, man, I mean this shows us how Jesus was, his humanity here, he was tired, he was sweating, come on, Jesus was doing some cardio, verse 7, it says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Go back real quick. You know when I see, you know, think about this. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 4,000. But when it's just he and his disciples have to eat, they have to go buy food. You know some of those disciples were like, come on, Jesus, man. Can we, you just do a miracle for us? You know what I'm saying? But Jesus didn't do miracles for himself. He only did them for the glory of God. So they're they're out buying food. Verse 9. He says, then... The woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I'm going to unpack that in a minute. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then? Do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water. Come on, she's not stupid. Sir, give me, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Remember that. Here's this woman out in the desert at noon drawing water. Give me some of this water so I don't have to go through this anymore. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For... You have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive perceive you're a prophet. 
Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She's talking about Mount uh, Gerizim, which is right, it would be in view from where they are, and her village is at the foothill of this mountain, Mount Gerizim. I'm gonna talk about that in in a a moment. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that it is in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You must worship, or or you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In the original Greek, Jesus, this is where Jesus says, I am. This is the first time where Jesus uses that language, I am. Verse 27. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek her? Why are you talking with her? Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And if you follow the story, then Jesus and the disciples go back to their Samaritan village at the bottom of Mount Gerizim, and Jesus holds a three-day revival, and all the Samaritans and everyone in that village come to know Jesus. It's a great, great story. So look, we're going to talk about, I want to talk to you about your conversation with God and where you are in that conversation and what Jesus wants to bring you into. And I have entitled this message, Leave your water pot behind. Leave your water pot behind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your word, God. And I just pray in this message, Lord, that we see you, we see Jesus, and how much you love us, God, and how important it is for us to leave our water pot behind. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. Man, this is, this is just a great story, and there's so, so much in this story. I kind of want to go back to the beginning and unpack it for you. And so first of all, what we have here is Jesus is going through Samaria, and that in, it, uh, Samaria, and that in itself is a big, big deal because Jews did not travel through Samaria. If you think of Israel, okay, think of Galilee's on the north, Samaria is in the middle, and Judea is in the south. So Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And so when you had to go from Judea to Galilee or Galilee to Judea, instead of going the most direct route, which was through Samaria, the Jews would just kind of go around them. So this is a big deal here that Jesus is going directly through Samaria. Big, big deal. He needed to go there. And I just want to say this, that no matter where you are in life, God knows where you are. And God will go to any lengths and to any place for you to come to the realization that God loves you 
and you're meant to have a relationship with him. So he goes and he's going to have this encounter with a Samaritan woman and it's fascinating this encounter. When she first meets Jesus, she calls him a Jew. She says, what are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? First she calls him a Jew. They converse a little bit more. Then she calls him sir. Then they converse a little bit more. Then she calls him a prophet. Then they converse a little bit more. And then she calls him Messiah. She goes from calling him a Jew to sir, you know, kind of like the big man upstairs, to a prophet, whoa, I think maybe God's speaking to me, to Messiah, you are my Lord and Savior. And I don't know where you are today, but maybe you're in that conversation. Maybe you've been coming to church some, and, 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 and you know, at first you just kind of come and you're, you're, you're hearing about Jesus, this Jew. Then you come a little bit more, and, and all of a sudden, you, you, man, okay, you realize that, 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 that maybe God, this is, this is real, there's some truth to this. It's like Jesus is a sir, and then you feel like God's really speaking to you. There's the prophetic, and then finally you get to the place where you realize, no, I was meant, I was created to have a relationship with God. Jesus is going to be my Lord and my Savior. Church, we must always be a church that embraces people wherever they are, in the conversation. People come in and they're not, they're not there yet. And people can, and here's what religion wants to do. Religion wants to interrupt the conversation. That's why I believe Jesus sent the disciples away. You saw when they came back, they're like, hey, what, what's he doing talking to this woman? They were thinking of interrupting. See, religion wants to interrupt the conversation. What? Wait, for you to come to church, for you to come to God, you got to look this way and act this way, and you got to stop doing this, and you got to stop doing that, and you got to stop living like this, and you got to stop living like that. Listen, don't interrupt the conversation that God is having. For, for, for most people, it's a process, and I want to say, Wherever you are in that process, you're welcome here. It's celebration. You're, you're welcome. You know, it's real interesting, okay? Jesus, watch this. John chapter 3, the chapter before, right here in the first uh, four chapters of the gospel of John, he has two one-on-one -on -one conversations. Think about it. So Jesus feeding the 5,000, feeding all. To these two people, he wants a one-on-one. -on -one. Watch this. John chapter 3, it's Nicodemus. Very well-to-do man, very respected man in the society. We know that he was rich. Okay, think about this. So Jesus goes to one-on-one -on -one to someone who's, you know, in the social status and economic circles. I mean, he's, he's up there. He's well-to-do. He has that conversation with Nicodemus. Think about it. It was, it was in the cool of the night. He's about to talk to this woman in the heat of the day. See, he's told, watch, 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 watch. Nicodemus and this woman, from a human point of view, from a social point of view, watch, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. He's about to talk to Nicodemus in the cool of the night. Every, what, Nicodemus, he had, a, he had an easy life. Cool of the night, everything's good. Hey, I know the things that you teach are from God. You know what Jesus said to Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you must be born again. And now he's having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were despised by they're at the opposite ends of the social economic ladder, so to speak. 
And what Jesus is saying is, hey, look, Samaritan woman, you need a savior. Hey, Nicodemus, you need a savior. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. That's where he's going. That's where he's going with this conversation. And so you see right off the bat, here's Jesus. It's a holy, I call this a Holy Ghost setup. Touch somebody near you say, it's a Holy Ghost setup. It's a Holy Ghost setup. I mean, here the Holy Spirit leads Jesus at noontime in the desert to a well. Now think about this. Here's this Samaritan woman, okay? They don't have any dealings with the Jews. It's vice versa. There's a lot of racial tension here. Why? Because in 722 BC, before Christ, the Assyrians invaded northern Israel. And they took most of the people back from the 10 tribes. They took most of them back uh, into captivity. But they left some Jews there to kind of manage the towns and, and the things going on. And they also put a lot of Assyrians there to rule over the Jews. And so what ended up happening, of course, was intermarriage. And so there were all these mixed marriages, and sometimes there was allegiance to the Assyrians, and sometimes, you know, they'd try to get back with the Jews or some of them. So this, this racial tension developed, and, and the Jews, I mean, they, they hated the Samaritans. In fact, they would not even, even utter the word Samaritan. They used it for a cuss word. That's the only time when they would say Samaritan. And so this had been going on for hundreds of years. The Jews look at, looked at the Samaritans as like, like a half-breed. They wouldn't let them worship at the temple. And so, because they were shunned, the Samaritans kind of did their own thing. They took the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, they believed in those, but they kind of made their own adaptive story with them. They said that Mount Gerzim, that's why the woman says, hey, hey, we Samaritans, we worship on this mountain, Mount Gerzim, she's talking about. Well, they kind of changed the stories and they said, you know what, uh, uh, the Garden of Edom, it was right here on Mount Gerzim. And, and, and Noah's Ark, it came to rest on Mount Gerzim. And, uh, and in fact, this is where Abraham offered Isaac. It was right here on Mount Gerzim. They, they believed in the stories, they just kind of changed the names and the places and, and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, that's, that's what a lot of false religion does. See, the enemy's a counterfeiter. And what you'll find is, you'll find if you look into other religions, which by the way, I majored in religious studies at, at LSU. It, it's it's a, a, a very secular university. I majored in religious studies. Most of the classes that I took, they tried to pick the Bible apart. It was the study of all the religions of the world. Okay, so when you study a religion, it's amazing how many of them, I'll be, I, was, I would study, I'd be like, man, that kind of sounds like the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's just the names are different. Man, that kind of sounds like when Abraham interceded for Sodom and said, are there 50 righteous, will you spare? That kind of sounds like that. Man, that kind of sounds like Psalm chapter 1. That kind of sounds, and what you have is you have a lot of false religions and people pulling and counterfeiting from the originator, and that's God. Do you see what I'm saying? And, I, and, and let me say this on that end, okay? Let me say this, okay? If you want to really know what a religion is about, people can claim to this is a religion of peace or this is a religion of that. If you want to really know what a religion is about, regardless of the different interpretations that people have of their books or whatever that is, all you have to do is study the life of the leader or the life 
of the founder. You want to know what real Christianity is about? You study the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus. What Jesus, oh, come on, you can clap better than that. You study Jesus, his claims, his miracles, what he said, what he did. You want to know about Islam? You study the life of Muhammad. Look at the wars he fought. Look at his conquests. Look at Muhammad's life. If you want to know about Islam, you want to know about Buddhism? Look at the life of Buddha, what he did, how he lived what he said. So, so you can tell me you're a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Christian with this interpretation. I, I'm just saying if you really want to know what the core and essence of that faith or religion is about, you have to look at the life of the leader, of the founder, and I'll tell you right, right now, of every world leader and religious founder and philosophical worldview or whatever, right now there is only one tomb that is empty, and that is the tomb of Jesus. So, so there was all this racial tension on both sides built up between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans kind of made their own religion. The Jews looked down upon them as half-breeds and all this kind of stuff they weren't allowed to worship in the Jewish temple and all that. So, so on top of that, watch this, on top of that, okay, back in this day, if you were a rabbi in public, you, you couldn't even talk to a woman. Now this, God had nothing to do with this. This is one of these religious traditions that just started happening. And the Pharisees saw themselves as superior. And so in public, they wouldn't talk to a woman. Even if one Pharisee's wife walked by him, he wouldn't talk to her. So watch, watch. Hundreds of years of racial tension, prejudice, all this kind of stuff. Here comes this woman. Now think about this. She's coming out at noontime into the desert. You didn't go get your water. You didn't go to wells at noontime in the heat of the day to get your water. Everyone from the village would go out in the morning when it was cooler or at the very end of the day in the evening when it was cooler. Why was this woman having to go out at noon? She wanted to avoid people. She had been shunned by her community. She, she carried shame, she carried embarrassment, and she knew if she went out with, with the other women, they would gossip, they would laugh, they would talk about her. So now here's her life of having to go out at a time when it's blazing hot in the middle of the day so she can get her water to avoid all the other people and not be shunned. But lo and behold, on this day, you ready for this? She finally comes out there Sweaty, and they're sitting on top of the well is a Jew, a man, and a rabbi. It's her worst nightmare. <laughs> She's probably thinking like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And so Jesus initiates a conversation. Jesus says, hey, 
give me a drink. And you saw from her reaction, we just read it. She's like, whoa, 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 sweaty, thirsty man. <laughs> Hold on here. You're a Jew. I'm a, and from Jesus' dress, she could also tell he was probably a rabbi, a teacher. You're, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We, we, we don't deal with each other. There's, there's a, there's a, nuh-uh, nuh-uh, what, what, are, what are you talking to me for? When Jesus initiated the conversation, he was breaking all the rules. He was reaching out. He's, he's making a statement here. Once again, I want you to think about this. All the stories in the Gospels of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the miracles of the multitudes and all this kind of stuff. Watch here in John chapter 4. He's having a one-on-one with a person who would be considered the low of the low on the socioeconomic ladder here. He had to break rules. He had to send his disciples away just so he could have a conversation with this woman. This woman, she had three strikes, big strikes against her. Okay, first of all, she's a Samaritan, strike one. She's a woman, strike two. She's uh, uh, committing adultery and sleeping around and all that, strike three. In the words of the great theologian Nacho Libre, she's a flusy. Stay awake. I'll, I'll throw some, some Nacho Libre theology at you just like that. She's a flusy. These are the Lord's cheeps. So. Let me just say this. You might strike out in life. You don't ever strike out with God. God will find you. God will go where you are. God will seek you out. You, you listen, there, there ain't no, with God, with God, it's not three strikes and you're out. You know what God is? He's going to follow you and keep drawing you and keep bringing you into conversations. You can swing as many times. You can, it doesn't matter what you do, where you're going. I'm telling you, God is after you. Mm. She says, okay, you're a Jew. You're asking me for water. And watch, now he engaged, he, he's, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. Now they start talking about water. Like Jesus knows she came there thirsty, but watch. She's thirsty, but she's not satisfied. And physical water isn't going to do the trick. She's talking about Jacob's well that was, that was there that, that, that Jacob had and gave to Joseph to feed his offspring and, and his natural ch- children. Well, here's Jesus sitting on top. There's a greater well here now that's here to satisfy God's spiritual children. So they engage in this conversation. And so now watch, this is so important. And some of you are at this place. So she's, he's, he's bringing her along. He's, he's starting to unfold God's plan for her life, that the, this living water is available for her. But see, Jesus knows that this woman is carrying shame and sin 
and regret. So Jesus says, hey, go, go get your husband. And this woman <laughs> says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus, I love this. Jesus said, you know, you're right. <laughs> Isn't he awesome? He says, you know, you're right. Watch this. He never tells her she's a sinner. He never embarrasses her. He never says, why are you living this way? He never says, you need to repent right now. Why, he's in a conversation. He's taking her to a place. I love the grace of God, how it engages people in a conversation. God doesn't want to expose you. He, he doesn't want, you know, to, to make you feel worse. All he says, watch this, here's what Jesus is doing. He's doing just enough to get this woman to come clean. Because if she doesn't come clean, there can be no healing. You following me? He's having compassion on her. He wants to get, without embarrassing her, he wants to get her a place to come clean so that she can be healed. And unfortunately, we live in a society today, you know what? It, it, instead of having compassion on people and helping them come clean, we, we, we celebrate brokenness. Well, now, now listen, listen, we're all broken. We all have issues, but we don't want to celebrate brokenness. We want to have compassion on brokenness and get people engaged with Jesus so he can get them to a place of wholeness. Come on, can you give God a, a hand for that? So I love this. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say anything like that. And she, you know, so she comes clean. She says, you know, I, I see that you're a prophet. So now watch, they're, they're going even further here. She says, you know, we, we Samaritans, come on, a little race card coming out here. We Samaritans, follow me here. We, we Samaritans, no, we worship on this mountain. And you Jews, y'all worship on that mountain mountain over there. I love what Jesus says here. He says two things. He says, hey, listen, there's a new day coming where the true worshipers, it's not going to be about Samaritans and Jews. It's not going to be about your mountain or my mountain. There's, a, there's only going to be two types of people, worshipers and non-worshipers. We're all going to be equal. Watch. Because we're all God's children, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father is seeking worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus, watch, in, this in these 30 verses, Jesus, and it's the first place where He calls Himself, I am. And what he directly does is he makes a universal statement against racism and a universal statement for the empowerment of women and says from this day forward, oh, come on, you need to clap. He says, he says from this day forward, we're not having this Jew Samaritan stuff anymore. It's not going to be about this man-woman stuff anymore. Come on, it's not going to be about, think about this, think about this racial tension. 700 years, 
Jesus is like, that's an, that, that, that's an old day. This is a new day. Now, it's important. It's important what else he says in this context. You know what else he says? He does say this. However, I need you to know salvation is from the Jews. Now, that's not a racial statement there. What that is is that is a statement that, look, there are not many ways to heaven. You can't do it Mount Gerzim way and this way over here. There's only going to be one Messiah, one Savior. Watch. That's why the Father's seeking, he's seeking worshipers that worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. And church, I'm just telling you this right now. We live in a day and age where people, they don't want truth. So we've got to learn how to engage them in a conversation. We've got to learn how to engage them in a conversation where they can meet Jesus, where they can know the truth, and the truth can set them free. Because we live in a day and age, watch, watch. Well, what's truth to you is not truth to me. It's relativism. It's just because, look, look, look. There is either a pulpit on this stage or not. It's not, well, it can be a pulpit on that stage to you, but to me, there's no pulpit <laughs> on that stage. Listen, listen, I'm, not, I'm trying not, but listen, we live in a day and age where that, and that's why the, the marriage series that we're kicking off, I think I forgot to promote that, the marriage series that we're kicking off on, on September 13th, marriage, family, and civilization through monogamous marriage and families, that's how society is built. You want to know why civilization is crumbling? Because we're attacking marriage. We're attacking the family. You can't build a civilization. And our culture's bombarding. Well, you don't need to get married. You could just do this and, you know, da 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 da. I'm, t- I'm so tired. I'm getting ahead of myself. How much time do I have left? Oh my gosh, I got three minutes left. I'm putting that off. Here's what I'm trying to say. Truth is truth. Okay, what? We live, or, or you know where this church is, or the arena right here? This is in Jacksonville, Florida. That is the truth. I cannot come out one day and say, you know, I'm so tired of the city limits of Jacksonville defining where our church is. So from now on, this church is located in Stovallville. <laughs> what, what, let me, l- listen, watch. Compassion, compassion, follow me, listen, listen. I, I'm white. I cannot say I'm so tired of my Scottish ancestors and my white skin defining who I am. From now on, I'm Asian, because because I feel like Asian on the inside. You know what the joke is about? We're not politically correct in this church. You know why we love each other. That's why.
You know the joke about Asians, huh? Joke about Asians is just when you, when you see someone doing something good, along comes an Asian that does it better. That's <laughs> it's just a fact. So I want to be Asian. I feel like I'm, I'm Asian. Now, I really might be black on the inside, but I... <laughs> what, what, what? Look, look. I'm a man. I'm a man. Amen. I can't say... <laughs> what? What? I'm so tired of my DNA and my private parts. <laughs> Def watch, watch, watch. Define, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Look, look, I'm trying to have fun because, look, we all have issues. We all just need a good laugh. But here's what I'm saying. I can't say that, oh, I'm tired of those things defining me as a man. Listen, listen, I'm a man. That's what I am. I'm white. <laughs> That's what I am. We live in Jacksonville. That's where we live. There, there is truth. Okay, now watch. If you feel something on the inside, watch. Here's, here's what I've learned. A lot of times what happens is people try. Remember what she did? Uh, the, the Samaritans, they made a whole different religion. They made a whole different deal because they were shunned. What happens is when people are shunned, Come on. they have nowhere to engage God in a conversation. <laughs> then they end up making up their own stuff and their own philosophy, and their own religion. Church, may we always be a church that no matter where people are, in whatever place in life, whatever they believe sexually, whatever's going on in their life, whatever's happened to their past, I want to say that you can always come here and have a conversation with Jesus. But we want to help people get from brokenness to wholeness. We're all broken. And that's why those things, man, listen, listen. When you understand that we're all equal at the foot of the cross and we all have issues, your issues are not my issues. I mean, we might have some similar stuff, but what? We're all broken people. We're all sinners saved by grace. And we all have a Savior who loves us, who wants to bring us to that place in the cross, equal on the cross. Let, let me say one more thing against racism because uh, there's a point in this story. This is my first closing, okay? <laughs> I'll get three closings today. This is the first one. Watch. You remember the disciples come back at the end of the conversation? Because Jesus didn't want religion to interrupt and what disciples. Disciples come back with their prejudiced, racist 
attitudes. Remember, what, what's he doing talking to that woman? That's a Samaritan. What's going on there? Watch. I believe this was a total setup. Jesus wanted them to see what was going on because he's communicating to them. Guess what? It's a new day now. And all this racism stuff, all this color stuff, all this ethnicity stuff, all this judging people by the color of their skin or what they, don't do, what they have or what they don't have, that day is over. He... He brings them. What, look, and then he brings them and he looks out, okay? This is going to get racism out of him. He points at the Samaritan village right there at the foot of Mount Gerzim where all their crazy stuff was going on. He says, you see that? He says, those are souls. And those souls God loves. He, Jesus calls it, it's a field ready for harvest. God wants to pull those people in. And then he takes them there, and they stay there for three days. That'll get that racism out of them, eating their food, sleeping with them. I mean, you know, sleeping in the town with them, you know. Yeah. All, that, all that kind of stuff in there. And let what? what? Here's why. Here's why. God, this is important. It's so important that when they came out to see Jesus, Jesus went back, took his disciples, and they had that three-day revival there with those people. Why? Because Jesus, he was depositing in his disciples a different attitude. He was getting them out of the old, out of that prejudice, out of that stuff, and getting in them to the new, that, that all these people are God's children. And we're all equal. Let me ask you this. What are you... What are you handing down? What are you depositing into your children? What are you depositing into your family? Now, I'll never forget this. When I was a young boy, just so you'll know, my, uh, you know, I grew up, my dad was a real successful uh, attorney, still is uh, today. And so we lived in a, in a, in a nice neighborhood. It was, a, a, you know, a white upper class neighborhood. And uh, we went to the country club and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's just how I grew up. Watch this. I'm not ashamed of that. I, li listen, I, 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 I'm going to get there in a second. But wa watch this. We grew up in that, but my school, as soon as I got into school, so, so you would think in central Louisiana, in a pretty much all-white neighborhood, country club, upper society or whatever, you would think that I would be a prime candidate for maybe some prejudice views, right? My parents, I've never, since the day I was born, I've never heard either of my parents say one racist remark. So when I started, listen, so when I started, I went to school, my school was diverse, so I had black friends, I had Hispanic friends, my school, I played sports, all, all my sports teams were diverse. And so when I started hearing people say racist things, that was like a, that, that, our family doesn't talk like that. And I'll never forget one time, and I, I don't remember if I was six, seven, eight, 10, 11, I, I don't remember the exact age, but I can tell you, I can remember 
where it was, the street it was on, in the driveway it was. We were in a driveway. I was at a friend's house, and it was me and my dad, him and his dad, and another dad and his son. We're in the driveway, and me and my dad were about to leave and go home. And the dad made a very racist remark and called this other young black guy that we all knew, he used the N-word. He called him the N-word and then just spewed out these racist things. And my dad real quick was like, hey, y'all, y'all have a good day. We got to go now. And he took me by the hand and he walked me as soon as we got in the car and he said, son, he said, don't you ever say that word. He said, what that man said was wrong. He said, we don't ever judge a person by the color of their skin or what they have or don't have. And that kind of language and behavior will not be tolerated in our household. You understand me? So watch. Here's what I wonder. Here's what I wonder. What if my dad would not have headed that off after I heard it? What if, listen, listen, I'm, we, we can't help the families that we come from, okay? Come on, touch somebody around you and say, I'm stuck. All right, so listen. This, this is not about your family what they did for you, maybe they deposited the opposite in you. They deposited racism or whatever they deposited. Here's the point. Just like Jesus did with his disciples. You know what he said? There's a new day right now. And this racism and this prejudicism and all this kind of stuff, we're not doing that. That's not tolerated anymore. That's not how it is in the kingdom of God. There's only going to be two types of people. There's going to be worshipers and non-worshipers. But know this. There's not many ways to God. There's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus. He's the only Messiah. He's the only one that can heal you. So this woman, I want you to think about this. This woman. My second close, this is the real close. But I get three just in case. I want you to think. She'd been carrying this pot, this water pot, for years. Out in the midday in that desert. Just think about it. It, it was heavy. Think about how heavy it would be coming back with it all because she was shunned, all because she felt like she wasn't worthy, all because of her past. She, just, the, just think of the fatigue. Think of all the times that she was probably walking out there by herself thinking, I wish I could have come out with the other women. Think about all the times she was walking out there thinking, I wish I wouldn't have done this or married that guy or I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. Or I, Just think about all the time she would have carrying that water pot of shame, of regret, of isolation. In some ways, it represented everything that her life had become. 
that she didn't want it to be. And she comes out and she's just on another day bringing her water pot out there. But this time Jesus is there. And he's not there by accident. And he leads her in a conversation and you know what she realizes? She realizes that you know what? What I've done to God, that doesn't matter. I want to tell you, listen, what, what, all the things you've done bad or your shame or whatever you're living in regret about, listen, to, to God, that, that doesn't matter. What, what's important is today. What's important is, are you going to engage Jesus in the conversation? And are you going to learn that you have just as much value as anybody else? And you have just, listen, listen, listen. You have just as much purpose as anybody else. In fact, Jesus went way more out of his way to reach this woman than he did when he witnessed to Nicodemus. I want to let you know that all the things of your past and everything that has held you down, all those regrets that you have, all those things that you wish that you could have changed, I'm telling you today, it can change if you will come to Jesus. And in verse 29, you know what it says? She left her water pot behind. You know what this represents? See, here's what we do as Christians. Watch, here's what we do. We understand giving our sin to Jesus. Jesus forgives us of our sins, but many times we, we get forgiveness of sin, but we keep our shame. We keep our regret. We keep our water pots. We don't realize we don't have to carry this anymore. We don't have to have this heavy life anymore. In fact, Jesus said, I'll take your spirit of heaviness and I'll give you a garment of praise. Just how by faith you receive forgiveness, by faith you've got to leave that shame and regret at the cross. You've got to listen, that girl watch, she came in with shame, she walked out with shine. She didn't go, She didn't go hide anymore. She went right into the city and said, you know what? I've met Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. God's forgiven me my past. All that doesn't matter. I left my shame. I'm not, I'm not going to that well alone anymore. Think about that. She left that water pot. She's like, I'm not going to this well alone anymore. I'm not living back in shame anymore because I have Jesus and he's always going to be with me. That's why the apostle Paul said, what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel brings wholeness. Of course you made bad decisions. Of course you screwed up. Of course you have regrets. Of course you have shame. You're a human being. But thank God for Jesus, that he not only forgives us our sins, but he also takes away our shame, takes off that spirit of heaviness and gives us a garment of praise. And some of you, some of you listen, some of you have received forgiveness from Jesus, 
you're still carrying around your water pot of regret and guilt and shame. And you know what? It's keeping your hands tied and occupied from reaching out and laying hold of what God has next for your life. So this, this, this altar call today, you know what? It's leaving your water pot behind. You're not only gonna receive forgiveness, many of you have already done that. You're gonna leave that shame and guilt and regret behind, forgetting those things that are behind. And it's gonna free your hands up that now I can lay hold and reach forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That woman realized God's got great things in store for me and he's got great things in store for you. I'm not carrying this thing around any longer. Come on, can you give God a hand for that? So here's what we're gonna do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you came in with shame. You're gonna walk out with shine. It's gonna be a new day for you, but you've gotta leave that shame. You've gotta leave that guilt. You've gotta leave that regret right here at the altar, at the foot of the cross where everyone is equal and everyone is loved by God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, how many of you say, Stovall, I, I have some shame, I have some regret, I've got a heavy water pot I've been carrying around for a long time and I'm ready for once and for all to leave that behind and lay hold of the things that God has for my life and that bright future. Will you just lift up your hand right now? You need to leave your shame, your regret, your guilt behind. You need to leave that water hot pot behind all of our campuses right now. Raise those hands if that's you. On the count of three, if you raised your hand, I want you to come up to this altar. Coming to this altar represents bringing your water pot for the last time, and you're gonna leave it right here where this water pot is. Ready, one, two, three. Come on up right now, come on up, give my hand. Now listen. This isn't just for people that don't know God yet. I'm gonna get there. This is for any, some, some people, you received forgiveness 10 years ago. You're still carrying guilt and shame. Jesus says you gotta leave that water pot behind. Leave your shame so you can shine. Come on, give my hand everybody. Come on, come on, come on. I keep clapping a little bit more. You gotta keep clapping. You gotta keep clapping a little bit. So here's what we're gonna do. First of all, I need I need to know this. I need to know this at all of our locations. How many of you would say, uh, Stovall, I'm here today up front, or maybe you didn't come up front and you'd say, you know what? I'm I'm away from God and I'm one of those people like Jesus has been the big man upstairs or, you know, I knew God spoke through him, but now I realize that he's truly my Lord and Savior. And I wanna really surrender my life to him so that I can experience that freedom that you're talking about and have eternal life. If that's you, you know you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus. You're, he, you're ready to really make him your Messiah today. Will you just lift up a hand if you're up here on this road? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. If you're in the audience, yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Look at all the hands. Raise them high. Raise them high. Raise them high. Look at all these hands, everybody. Orange Park, raise them high. Come on, there's no shame up here. There's no shame up here. You can put them down. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Here's how we're ending today, okay? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's going to kind of cover the whole deal, all right? And then we're going to go into the rest of that song one more time. And you are going to worship God. What did Jesus say? Here's all God's seeking is worshipers, spirit and truth. You're going to leave your shame right here, and you're going to shine for God in worship. And you are going to worship him in these next few moments. That's how we're going to end it, okay? Canvases, y'all got that? <laughs> okay, come on, let's pray with me. Pray, just repeat this prayer. Repeat this prayer. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You are my Messiah, my Savior, my Lord. I leave my sin behind. And not only my sin, but my shame, my regret. Lord, things I can't change, I leave them all here at the cross. And Jesus, I thank you that you love me and you forgive me. Lord, you take away my shame, my guilt, and my regret. And from this day forward, I'm gonna live for you and I'm gonna walk in your blessing. And Lord, I thank you. There's no more shame. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you it's a new day. It's a fresh start. Thank you that you love us, God. Lord, we're just so grateful. What an awesome Savior you are. And Lord, we worship you. We're your true worshipers, Lord. And we just thank you, God, that you take our sin and our shame, our regrets, Lord. God, you just wash all those things away. And Lord, as the Apostle Paul said, we're, we're forgetting those things that are behind now. We're, we're, we're freeing up our hands from carrying that old heavy water pot of regret and shame. And now we're going to reach forth so that we can lay hold of the prize of the high calling of God on our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.